Welcome to Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Mine's Aaron Dugan. You can follow me on Twitter at the Aaron Dugan or Instagram, Aaron underscore Dugan. One of our favorites on the show today, Stephen Godfrey, going to join us. Had about a 30-minute conversation with us. Uh, we're going to get to that interview pretty quickly here on the show. So, Stephen, always just a breath of fresh air. Uh, we're going to talk about the Alabama coordinators. Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele have been hired. He'll have some insight into those situations. I know we talked a lot of Bama last week, but they've made some decisions. So uh, we've got your analysis on Tommy Reese. What does Alabama's offense look like? Kevin Steele is a defensive coordinator. Uh, the SEC office getting involved in the hiring of coaches, all that good stuff. Uh, some new details are out about Jaden Rashada. So we'll get uh, his thoughts on NIL. Never, never, never one to pull punches on uh, the NCAA structure and its failings. Uh, so we'll talk with him about that. And of course, um, Texas, and the big news, Texas and Oklahoma will not be joining the SEC, at least in 2025. It could happen in 2026 or 2024 and 2025. It's one year later, basically. Uh, and so we'll get to we'll talk with him about how that's all unfolding, what could actually happen. And then we're going to have a longer conversation, Aaron, about the future of the SEC. What does it look like structurally uh, moving forward? And we'll get lots of uh, his thoughts on that. So should be a fun episode. Lighthearted here today on the show, Aaron. Yeah, it has its moments. <laughs> um and and you and I will, will will talk a little bit more about the future of the conference and what it could look like like I don't know what happens if Kentucky gets kicked out <laughs> so right well, we'll we just, try we're gonna try we'll try to give you a sense of what it could look like and hopefully do it with some positive spin after the conversation with Steven so stick around for that coming up a little bit later on I just wanted to say first before we get to Steven real fast Aaron mm -hmm. that if you would have told me in 2017, halftime of the national championship game, when Jalen Hurts gets benched, Tua Tungavailoa comes in and throws a, throws the touchdown and wins the national title, and then they go. He goes on to win the. Hurts ends up being on the bench. Has to if you for, people forget this, he comes off the bench in the SEC championship game like the next year. Yeah, and and like the the whole Hurts saga. He is a Bama graduate who started a national championship game. He is now only one of three quarterbacks in the modern era to start in the national championship game and in the Super Bowl, the other being Joe Burrow and Cam Newton. Right. Bad, bad news for Jalen Hurts is uh, all three of them won the national title and the other two lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> just, just as a, just as a <laughs> point off. of, just a point of observation. I, I'll just put my hand up and be like, look, I don't think he's an elite passer, but if you told me that Jalen Hurts would be leading the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl with the best record in the NFL one day when he got benched for Tua, I would have, I, I said, nope, I don't see it. I've always loved him. He's incredibly likable. He's in, he's, he even makes Alabama and Philadelphia likable. He is one of the most amazing young people that I've ever covered in the SEC. But if you had told me he'd have been a quarterback in the Super Bowl, I would have laughed at you. And that is my fault. I was wrong about that. What an amazing story. He's one of those people that you don't really want to under. I mean, I would never want to underestimate him because he's just got that it factor. And you're like, I don't really know what he's capable of, but had we seen the evidence that we had needed to see that this was uh, even possible? No, but he's always been hard to underestimate. Always. And like, and again, how he handled the benching and the poise and the grace and the, like all this stuff. And like, even right now today saying, I don't know if they can beat the chiefs. Even if I just say that out loud, that's still disrespecting Jalen. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. We Which like, is, you should have learned your, if, you got to learn your lesson on this one. I I think the we Chiefs are. I think the Chiefs are going to win. Who you got? I mean, 
I, I think you're probably right, but I'll pull for the Eagles. I've been Eagles like how can you I'm pull not a for fan? The, nobody pulls for the Eagles. I did well. I le- <laughs> I followed them so closely when Jordan Matthews was there. Oh, that's true. So yeah. I kind of had a con- connection because of him, and I don't hate them like everybody else does. They're just not likable. That's all. No, they're definitely not. But, but Jalen Hurts care. is. Jalen Hurts is. Yeah, he 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 was definitely a good uh, franchise choice. Yeah, no kidding. I, so here's the thing. I think he. I think it reminds me a lot of the Eagles. This is an SEC podcast. We're going to talk SEC football, but it, he reminds the Eagle. This matchup reminds me of the last time the Eagles were there, where like two through fifty three, they are so much better than the other team, which was the Patriots at the time. Yeah, but like Tom Brady's on the other side, and he's way better than your quarterback. I still think right. Mahomes is way better than Jalen Hurts, and that's not really insulting. No, but I think not. two, but I think two through fifty three, Philly's way better and way better along the line of scrimmage, um, with a lot of. Uh, with a lot of SEC players, by the way. <laughs> what are you doing for the Super Bowl? Um, not a whole lot, actually. We're gonna have some family over. Um, we got a new baby niece. Congrats to oh. my brother-in-law. Shout out to the brother-in-law. So, new baby niece niece might be making her first appearance at the household. So that's fun. Ridiculously excited about that. Um, because I get to imprint on a beautiful new baby girl and then give her back. Give it back. Yep, <laughs> that's always that's the best case scenario. I love it. I love it. Um, all right, so you and I will talk a little bit more about the future of the SEC and what we think the structure could look like because Steven's going to end on such a bad note that we just have to it's try to Godfrey. bring... It's Godfrey. It's Godfrey, but we just got to try to bring... He's a realist, but he yeah, is. we'll try to he bring is. it up. So we'll try to bring you back. This is our, so without any further uh, conversation from us, uh, here was our long conversation with at 38 Godfrey, Stephen Godfrey from Split Zone Duo. Stephen um, Godfrey joining us. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I jumped your intro. <laughs> Stephen Godfrey joining us here. Of course, splitzoduo.com. Sign up and become a patron today. Um, and of course, you can catch him all over the Twitter sphere at 38Godfrey, the Instagram as well. Stephen, how are you, sir? Good to see you. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's supposed to be quieter in February, but it is not. Of course not. Uh, so obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are not going to join the SEC at the time that we expected them to for now. Uh, but really, it's it's going to sort of launch us into a conversation what we think the league could look like in various different right. fo- forms and fashions over the course of the next couple of different eras. So we'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, obviously, we've got um, there are some details that have come out about the Jaden Rashada stuff. Uh, as we told you about two weeks ago, this wasn't ever about the player, but we'll get to some of the details on that. Uh, the big news, Alabama has hired their two coordinators, so we'll get into that as well. Otherwise, good to see you, Stephen. Good to have you here. Um, uh, let's get started with just the Bama coordinators here, first and foremost. And as we told you last week on the show, as we as we loosely reported that Jeremy Pruitt was his first option but was not going to get the job, <laughs> um, he hires Kevin Steele, who is a, who is a baseline of some sort, uh, solid mm-hmm. defensive solid defensive coordinator, um, so we'll start there. We'll get to Tommy Reese and what the offense could look like. But just, uh, guys, your thoughts on Kevin Steele becoming the defensive coordinator at Alabama. I've, I don't know for how many times now. It's uh, it's a maintenance hire. I mean, it's it's just it's a body. But I, I you know, I said this on Split Zone today, actually, when we were talking about this. It's it's just a matter of diminishing returns at that specific position in that Alabama fans and SEC fans, even college football fans look at Alabama and they are always going to expect the Kirby Smart defense of 2012 and 2013. And, you know, for really further back, that first era of the Alabama dynasty under Nick Saban. And that's not possible anymore. 
Um, if you're looking for evidence as to why, go go back and look at the offense that Alabama ran opposite of those Halcyon Days defense. Uh, the entire league and basically the entire sport of college football in one way or another is running a faster, more aggressive style of offense. And so I tend to think Pete Golding got mistreated by history. I'm not saying he's as good a coordinator as Smart was or even as a veteran like Steele is, although Steele's had some, I mean, Steele's had some terrible moments. I mean, he's had a long career. You guys remember like, you know, when he was a DC at Clemson and they got embarrassed in the orange bowl by Dana Holgerson's West Virginia. It's a hire, you know, ultimately I think they might look Bama fans have yelled about like wanting more fundamentals, whatever that actually means. I think Bama fans are going to have to understand the hard way by the end of this coming season that it wasn't a defensive coordinator issue that the game has changed. And sometimes you're going to give up 37 points in a really good win. Yeah. I mean, to me, it just came down. I think there's just a lot more moving parts at Alabama right now. Well, obviously we see like we see them, but even just in the way that the last season went, as opposed to what they're, they expect and how they expect to play. I feel like Saban's just kind of like trying to get as many, get like regain control not that he ever truly lost it our expectations for them are just through the freaking roof but they are familiar with each other it's a little bit more consistency than you know than bringing somebody else in that maybe doesn't Saban doesn't know as well and I think a lot of times coaches that do what Nick Saban has done and can create that much consistency uh familiarity feels best well, and at the end of the Gus Malzahn era, that was their identity was Kevin Steele, not Gus Malzahn, to be fair to him. Um, he's not going to overthrow the government um, working for Nick Saban. There's no question he can't do that. Um, I think it's a good fact, like to your point, he's a body. Like, I think there's a, a high floor with him. And being fourth in the nation in yards per play defense last year for Pete Golding, like, again, as we said at the very end of last week's episode, it wasn't all exclusively uh, performance based with Pete Golding. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see. I think it is what it is. I think it's fine. A fine hire. It is. It's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm far more interested. Uh, here's my, here's my theory. Uh, this is a two year stopgap until Jeremy Pruitt is allowed to be his defensive coordinator. That that's what it feels like to me, uh, that it's a bridge hire. How, how, how crazy well, am I there? If you say aloud, if you say aloud, then the, the SEC is going to disavow <laughs> any knowledge of permissive, permissive, uh, structure framework. You're not supposed to be able to do that. If you're the SEC, even though I think everybody and their brother knows that the, the league intervened on the, on the pro move. And it's so that the, yeah, the non-hire ends up being more of the story than the hire. Well, and, and again, the guy's about to go through his NCAA investigation. Like this is not like he's, he, he's still got stuff impend. There's still stuff out there that's pending. But as we said on last week's show, it's he was basically the first call and Saban wanted Pruitt, but uh, we'll see what happens with Steele. Offensively, it's far more fascinating. We, we again, we talked about this last week on the show. Ty Simpson seems like he's going to give Alabama more of what Saban wants, which is to go down the field and to attack every blade of grass and do all that stuff. You just mentioned the old school days, Godfrey. It's funny, like if they go with Jalen Milrow, it could be more like that 2016 Jalen Hurts offense that we saw when he was a true freshman. Uh, by the way, Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl. Isn't that a, a wild story? Um, I, I'm curious, what do we think Tommy Reese, who's the new coordinator from Notre Dame, played there? Hasn't We don't really know a whole lot about the players. We don't really know a whole lot about the scheme. What, what do we know about what Tommy Reese and what Alabama's offense could actually look like? Floor is going to be higher, obviously, because it's a personnel-based evaluation of a coordinator. So a lot of people are 
it's funny because Notre Dame fans are kind of happy, angry right now. There's this love hate thing that they've had with Reese for years. And that really dates back to the Brian Kelly era. Like when you talk about Marcus Freeman's time at Notre Dame, it's still an incomplete data set. He hasn't had enough time because when he first got hired, he said, we're going to change the personnel, the look of this football team. The look in finger quotes of a person of a, of a football team is really for a coordinator. That's well, how, how many athletes do I have? What, what's the caliber of talent I have around me? And that's going to dictate what I call and what kind of coordinator I'm perceived to be. So I think if you're trying to like look at Notre Dame the last two or three years and then try and comp that to Alabama, that's a fool's errand. I mean, skill well, position, no, it's yeah. just no comparison. So well, Reese gets to open a wider book. Yeah. Yeah. So Tommy, Tommy Reese is, uh, I, I agree with that. Now I will say the one thing you do know is that Michael Mayer was probably the best tight end in all of America last year at Notre Dame and that he force fed him, whoever the quarterback was, whatever the offensive line situation was, however youthful the receivers were and the injuries on the offensive line, all this stuff very well documented with, with Notre Dame. He did force feed his best player. And I don't know if it, like I, and he found a creative way to make sure he was getting him the football the entire time. So is that, is that right. a, that, that's to me, like that's one of the only data points. I feel like I can make the case for Tommy Reese to be like, you don't have this list of stuff. He developed this guy. He sure. He sure. out schemed this coach in this situation. Like we just don't have anything. I just, I'm always, I'm always hesitant to comp on analysis between programs like one coordinators. The reason being like the personnel thing that we've established, but also we don't even know what the philosophy of the, um, what what Freeman's, you know, not hold on him. That sounds more negative than it should be. You know, Freeman may have said force feed, right? We don't know. I, that was a roster that true. was definitely in transition in South Bend. So I think that he, look, anybody, pretty much anybody, unless they're coming from Athens at this point, goes to Tuscaloosa, they get more options as a play caller on either side of the ball. They get more luxury. They get to play a little bit more. And so I think what you see this fall won't be comparable to to anything that he did in South Bend for obvious reasons. Do you guys think that this, like, revisiting back to the style of offense, and I know we don't know exactly how this is going to play out, but um, just – kind of revisiting this heavier run style because obviously as the sport changed, Alabama had to kind of morph as most programs do to make sure that they're, they could keep up um, with the style of play specifically in the SEC. But because of Reese's style and probably revisiting that old, like pound the ball down your throat, like on heavy, like on the ground run game, like does that, do you guys see Alabama getting back to being more balanced very quickly or is it going to be like a little bit of opposite growing pains, just revisiting that style of play? I mean, in a quarterback, given the quarterback situation, mm -hmm. I think they'll 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 balance more out of necessity to experience than they will towards right. philosophy. Um, and they tend like most modern play callers are going to, if they go off balance, it's usually for a discernible reason of personnel. It's not it's not because like they have an ethos about something anymore. It's not like, oh, we want to attack space. It's just really like, hey, our best three guys are at, you know, X, Y and Z. And so we want to build around that. Um, I think that there were times last year, definitely where Bama probably wanted to have a dose of 2012 and wanted to slow things down and wanted to let the defense breathe. But I could also say that about like 15 of the top 30 teams in college football. I think that's I think a lot of people, especially at like the Nick Saban position or defensive minded head coaches who run title caliber programs are trying to balance the reality of what you have to do to be successful schematically with 
the desire to go back to a little bit more of a controlled offensive tempo. Like, I'm not saying you're on the triple option, but but you you have something that looks a little bit calmer that especially late in games can close teams out. You see it in the NFL a lot where you can run out of the spread and run it effectively and get smashy late in games to close out and have longer drives. Well, it, it, obviously, it, it'll be interesting with with Ty. Uh, I think Ty's going to win the job. I think I think Saban wants to continue to play the same style of ball, Stephen, that you alluded to at the beginning of the whole conversation, which is forty two thirty seven is good enough. Like that's 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 the way college football goes in twenty twenty three. Maybe you're on the option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So quickly with Rashada, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I just want to real quickly touch on this because we spent an episode two two episodes ago. Go check it out. David Waters joined us to break it all down. And this wasn't about the player. This wasn't about really even Billy Napier. It's about sort of the system holistically. We've got some more details about this. Basically, there's a lawyer and two boosters, and it's a little bit more specifics. But again, this is kind of what we told you two weeks ago on the show. Um, Either of you guys have an opinion that's changed about the Rashada saga and how it's sort of representative of where we are with this NIL issue? Because that's, that's all it is to me is just... It, it, it's just sort of we're this is where we are folks and this is what this is the shit we have to deal with and and it's not really all that different than what we've been dealing with for a long time so your opinion has uh, changed i mean this is what happens when you don't have any kind of centralized authority and, and i think the, some of the people doing the loudest complaining are the reason why we don't have centralized authority so what i mean by that is that <laughs> we can't school, even get the school, are you talking about the schools yeah, I mean, the most yeah. powerful programs at the most powerful conferences, they don't want to play nice with each other. And I mean, we can barely agree on postseason structures. I mean, we, and and even that's yeah. hanging by a thread or expansion or conference realignment. And so because it's such a confederation, um, this is you're not there's no cops to call. There's <laughs> there's right. no legislation to pass. I know people think the NCAA, I, it, it will never cease to amaze me, even as decades literally go by, plural. People think the NCAA can do something about this. The NCAA, they exist at the luxury of their membership, the membership being specifically the schools that we're talking about. So until the schools decide there is going to be a unified overarching um, policy and uh, every member of the constituency is going to be the same more or less about this, whatever it is, it can be NIL, it can be portal, it can be whatever you want to talk about. You're going to have exceptions to this case. I will say this. If you choose to look at this and talk about how college football players have run amok or the money is ruining things, this will, I would I would bet my bottom dollar, go down five years from now as very much an outlier case. Do you guys remember when you could, uh, the, the Maurice Claret year from Ohio, when he was left Ohio State after one year to go to the NFL draft and they were oh, like, oh, two, yeah. basically like kids showing up at the draft who had no business being there and people thought it was going to be the end of college sports and you have outliers when things happen in college sports because we don't have any guardrails to set up around any new thing. And so people are freaking out right now that these unproven high school quarterbacks are going to cost $15 million. I was told by an SEC compliance director almost three years ago to the, I don't, maybe not to the week, but to the month in the offseason looking at these cycles. And he said, we're going to see some really stupid money for a little while. And then the yeah. market is going to correct itself. And that's all we're doing. So I would just I would caution anybody against thinking the sky is falling in this. The sky is always falling in the sport. Yep. Uh, and the and the latest technology will ruin the youths of America as they have for every generation. Um, no, I don't. I haven't really learned anything more. I just I think it's just a microcosm of where we are, and it's not the players' fault. It's not really the coach's fault. I'm glad he let him out of the scholarship. Like 
I, as long as boosters have enough money to buy Bentleys and Rolls Royces, they're going to have enough money to waste on a on a prospect on speculation. And so I don't really think I, with all the details that came out, I'm just more concerned for players' safety than I ever am. But again, That's Aaron, you I and I, gonna say. yeah, yeah, you and I talked a lot about that two weeks ago. So we're here uh, because it started to they started on it too late, and then it, yeah, like yeah. it should have had moves should have been made way earlier. They weren't. Then it became a mess because right. you didn't have time yeah. to organize because you didn't move quickly enough. Yeah, and that was negatively affecting the players before, and now it's negatively affecting the players after. So everyone needs to look inward on this one because you literally are, put the players in a bad situation and from a bad situation to a bad situation, and that's the problem. There you go. And, job, and you don't have any, you have <laughs> no one looking out for any kind of financial security, yeah. let alone the stability of the market. So these kids are, this money will disappear quicker than people realize. And, and no transparency because it's much more difficult to get the information. So there's that. So there's even more of that. Um, all right. So uh, quickly here, Texas and Oklahoma. So essentially, I don't know what you guys think about this, but my, I've sort of like dumbed it down in my brain to just, you've got like 11 big 12 schools. You got 14 sec schools. You got two big 12 schools that are trying to become sec schools. You've got two conferences and you have two major television networks arguing over what I ima- what I'm imagining is simple arithmetic here. Uh, it would cost okay. X. It would cost X to get Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC a year early. The Big 12 can make more than X by keeping them in the Big 12, not only for television rights, but also just home games are worth a lot of money to those communities, ticket sales. But lot, but mostly television games. Even just the Texas Oklahoma games alone, those two games might be might be worth more than what the buyout could be. Is it as simple as just it, it's just X versus Y, and X is more than Y, and the SEC can just wait it out a year, and and they're not willing to overpay, and and Fox and the Big Twelve can make more than that. For now, it is. I mean, the decision makers involved with the networks. I mean, if someone wants to go back to the negotiating table and figure out if X and Y are could be closer to equal then I think you might be able to see a change after the 2023 season. I don't think it's a done deal. Any date, any date you see, I think it's all written in sand. Uh, Because I I think what we're seeing is a very public, more public than usual, but a very prolonged negotiation on this, on this transition terms of exit. And yeah, the big 12 gets to, they get to make a little money in the meantime, but also think about where the sec operates from, which is a point of stability and comfort. It's remember they're, they're adding, they're not subtracting. The Big 12 added, you know, I'm not going to disparage these schools, but the, the Big 12 added. <laughs> you don't, you're not up. allowed to say a negative word about Cincinnati. You're not allowed to. Well, I mean, it's like, like it's illegal. they added volume to to make up for the loss of like Tiffany brands. And so if they can hang on to those two Tiffany brands for a little while and just, uh, you know, force them to play like Texas at Houston, which showed up on the Big 12 schedule, which was very mm-hmm. funny because mm-hmm. Texas fans hate that concept. Um, they're going to do that for a little while. And yeah, they're going to rub it in on them. But also the SEC can operate from a position of comfort. If you if you told the SEC's constituency, OU and Texas are coming in in 24 or OU and Texas are coming in 27, there would be adjustments that you would need to make regarding conference scheduling, recruiting, et cetera, that kind of stuff. But by and large, life is just going to go on, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're asking were major decisions made in sports because of money? And the answer is almost always yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. a math. It is just a math problem. And I think 
not only, I mean, you know, you have to make sure that Big 12 and Fox get what, what they are asking for or that you come to an agreement on that. And then exactly like Godfrey said, not only just conference scheduling, but just also the making sure the math problem works on the TV side for the SEC to add those and to optimize them. And are there enough, uh, you know, it, like things with TV are scheduled very far out. We we don't find out game time till a couple weeks out, but that doesn't mean that there was it was not being laid in place long long before that so it's just finding yeah finding a way to optimize them on the sec side but by and large yeah it's just that the math problem didn't work yeah i I don't want to confuse anybody they're not coming in 20 like in no world in in which they come in 23 i just want no 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 this this is we were arguing over one year and if the sec is okay is if the sec can spend again i'm making this number up 50 million to get both of them in one year early or zero million to get them in one year later. So I, I agree with the yeah. SEC. So, so I want to lay down some like um, timeline benchmarks from both of you guys and just your opinions on the, the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years of, of SEC football. And I guess that's sort of college football writ large. What, what does that look like? And I think, I, I, is it fair to say that the first timeline benchmark is like the end of the current coaching era where Saban is here for a while, Brian Kelly is here for a while, Kirby Smart's here for god knows i guess it could that one could be 20 years yeah it, but is it just this is is the is the next chunk of time defined by specifically texas and oklahoma mixed with the saban the end of the saban era is that the first SEC benchmark specifically? yeah sec are, specifically. are you asking how we're going to sort of frame college football at, at large like, like the era is defined yeah, by what right because i feel like we if i say hey what does the sec look like in 25 years that doesn't include a shorter window that in, that that includes Brian Kelly, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Josh Heupel, guys that may be around for that like eight to ten year window, and then we and then after that there's a potential blow up of the ACC where there's another round of expansion in the you know in fifteen years. Like I'm just curious where where is your first benchmark where you feel well, like that's, the league oh, changes? that's playoff expansion. So so Texas, the entire Oklahoma, calculus. No, you see, Texas and Oklahoma, actually, look, I can make you an argument pretty quickly that if you're Oklahoma, especially right now, just given like that roster and transition from Riley uh, to Venables, why not park it in an easier conference for two more years? I would. Now, I know the reasons the reasons they stated publicly for going to the SEC were all like, oh, we want to recruit the best of the best and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying you're going to come in as as healed up as you might think you should be, but just just saying uh no no the benchmark in terms of viewing college football from the top down is going to be playoff expansion because it's going to change the calculus for excuse me um 60 teams and what i mean by that is that we are going to see much more of a rubric based on coaching tenures that is defined by did you make the playoff or were you close and that has been limited really to like nine or 10 programs since we've created a playoff. If you think about it, I heard the stat and I'm going to mangle. These aren't the right numbers, but you had something like six or seven programs occupy almost every spot in the playoff since we started it in 14. So you think about how you think about that small concentration and what did that, uh, that allowed for like three or four programs, the two sec schools, Clemson, Ohio State, basically. And then you'd have the occasional power outlier like the LSU year when they're undefeated. You concentrated the power much tighter. And and that made the college football's postseason so exclusive, really too exclusive. The Big Ten didn't like it. The SEC even didn't like it, right? Because they had more constituents who are on the outside than the inside. So the real definition of how you're going to look at college football in, I, I would say, 
the next two years and 20 years is what is the size of the playoff multiplied by uh, eligible teams by the halfway point of the season. In other words, like if I am a casual fan who wants to spend money on tickets and wants to go and, and, and mark my time out on Saturdays, are we relevant to the postseason structure yeah. October 20th? How, you know, how something much, like that. How much does the Kentucky Tennessee game matter? Basically, exactly. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people are saying, well, like, well, what if what if, you know, using last year as an example, what if Tennessee, Alabama in 2021 becomes less relevant? And I said, yeah, but also like that following week, let's say Alabama beats Tennessee and the next week they, you know, they use the Kentucky game to get back on the horse because they're not all the way out of it. The inventory so, doesn't decline. So, it just changes. All right, Aaron. So then what's the next so if I'm good with that, if there's a if there's a, sh- a really short term change, which includes Texas and Oklahoma and playoff expansion for the SEC universe, that right. there's a new there's a new timeline benchmark. I, I then could argue, I think we are going to have some turnover of coaches at some point in the next seven, eight, ten years ish. What is the next thing that changes? I, I like again, we could be talking about distribution of games here, which will never change for the SEC because that's where they make all the the most money. I'll, I mean, we're we're all three in here in Nashville and the way the Nashville Predators distribute their product could be changing significantly with a media company going bankrupt and maybe self-distribution is on the horizon for some teams like that, but never for a league that's number one moneymaker is, is television. So what what is the next thing? Is it just more expansion? Is it more playoff? Like, what is the next thing that changes so, what the league looks like? Yeah, I like I have what I think it is, but I don't have an answer to what it will look like. I just know it will be different, which is something technology driven stuff like what you just said distribution television the way we consume media i mean think about like 20 years ago i had a nokia phone that you dropped and you played snake on it but if you dropped it it'd fall apart and you could just put it all back together and you were all good to go and now (laughs) we're like on iphones where every single piece of information is at the touch of a button so to say that this isn't going to TV and distribution and technology isn't going to be insanely different in some way that I can't even imagine in 20 years. That would be dumb for me to say that it it wouldn't. I think on the very short term, what we just talked about with NIL until it kind of levels itself back out, I think that will have an effect on like the scape of the SEC in the next couple of years. But I don't think it'll be anything just like astronomically huge. And then, yeah, I mean, you you would also be like naive to say that Saban and Brian Kelly and some of these older coaches that have been in their positions for so long, or at least on that level of college football being gone, isn't going to change it. Like, you're right in saying that Kirby Smart, like Kirby he's, Smart, he's, will be he's too young. <laughs> he's yeah, he's not he's not going to be in that same wave. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think technology is definitely my well, answer to that, but I don't know what it's going to look like. Let, let me ask you this, Stephen. Then, if you had to pick, like ACC blows up and expands, NCAA is dis, disbanded, and the SEC and the Big Ten break away, um, things that have kind of been in the ether for a while. Um, yeah. You know, distribution models changing, uh, players become full time employees. Like, what what is the thing that that will? Can define? I say? Can I say like a half yes to everything? Because what you're what you're <laughs> inching towards is what you're inching towards is a separation of a top end of programs. And I'm hesitant to even say the phrase Southeastern Conference or Big Ten. But eventually, what I, you know, Aaron, Aaron led with technology. I'm going to lead with money, and what money's going to do is separate programs. And right now we define that by conference. That may not be the case in 10 or 15 years. Aaron, I'll, I'll use technology as an example. Those are one what and if, the same, though, in a lot of ways. I mean, 
for now. TV. Contractually, contractually, everything is bound to another party. Mm -hmm. So what the Pac-12 bet on years ago and lost was that if we keep all of our rights and we deal directly with the carrier, we will make more money. The problem was yeah. no one wanted to buy those rights at the market value at the time. What the SEC, the Big Ten, and what most of college sports has done is say, we're we're handing everything off to Walt Disney Company, to News Corp, to Fox, to, to whomever. If we see a modification in that, in which individual programs, maybe there's, and also we Apple. didn't know, hey, we didn't know what third party rights were 25, 30 years ago. We didn't know what digital rights were 15 years ago. What if there's another next thing, right? Yeah. And what if the individual brands, as they grow... See, I, I don't believe that the rising tide is floating all ships when it comes to the SEC and the Big Ten. And I think... I, I do say this a lot. I'll leave you with this. I think 25 years from now, you don't have the same membership in the Southeastern Conference. And I think some amalgamation of the SEC and the Big Ten as we know them now are playing a basically separate sport from the other... 85 to 110 schools how that many of are the, how, in the FBS, in the high FCS. How many of the 16 current members would make that cut? Are you saying that Missouri and Vanderbilt are going to get cut because they don't have the same brand? I'm saying in 25 I, and yeah, I'm saying in, I'm saying in 25 years without some sort of centralized authority, which we haven't had in 100 years. That uh, that brands are going to start to 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 grow disproportionately to others, and the, and that like minded brands are always going to work together. That's geography dictated conference structure, a hundred and all the way up until recently, right? Yeah, we kind of laugh at a conference if it doesn't have a geographic semblance. We're laughing right now at USC going to the Big Ten. I think the next like minded candidacy for whatever a conference might be in twenty five years is going to be like well, Kentucky. And Kansas have a lot in common, right? Or Alabama, Miami, and Ohio State have more in common than Alabama might with Mississippi State. That's on so, the horizon. There's some archaic stuff weaved into that, though, because as much as it changes and we're adapting with TV and all of that, there is some, like, stagnation on the other side of, like, tradition. And I'm not saying tradition will end up being yeah. more important than money. It's just a weird mixture of the two. I I, so, I used to believe that, but but tradition's yeah. always the first thing that goes. Yeah, yeah. They, they they always tell you like you don't need Texas and A and M, you'll get over it. You know, yeah. well, that, that's what they told us twelve years ago. Uh, the good the good news is you you can still like sit in the same seats at the at least the stadiums can't change states like they they can't get up and move like they can in the professional ranks at least. Um, I guess my question, my last question to leave you then is, what what's that number? Is the number? 35 is it closer to 25 is it closer to 65 like what's the number that because i i think the breakaway is coming too i've always said that i just think it's going to be feels like 40 right 40s always felt right but that there's there's 40s a lot 40s a lot and it depends on so <laughs> the question to ask is how like for whatever this future platform is how much inventory does it need to sustain that's what you would ask and so it's less about like Okay, I'm going to put Clemson in there. Maybe I'm going to put TC in New York. I'm not going to put Baylor. It's not that. It's how much inventory does that that higher platform need to sustain? Is yeah, it 12 a, or is it is it 48? There's a there's a point of diminishing returns, and I think unfortunately yeah. for SEC fans, there are more teams that are excluded from that than you think. That I would totally agree. Yes, that's that's what I would say, and that is world's ending in 20 a, years. See, that is not a great place. Guys, to, I'll see you later. <laughs> it's not a great place to end this conversation. But thank you, Stephen, for joining us. We do appreciate it. All right, y'all. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Oh, that was Stephen Godfrey, uh, Aaron, in typical fashion. <laughs> just. I need like just, a pick me up now. Yeah, bringing the earth to a, a, a screeching halt uh, in all of college football. I think I think you're right to like. It's so funny. Like, if we knew the technological answer to the future of college football, like we wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast. <laughs> we, we'd right. be wor- we'd be working for Tim Cook at Apple. Um, but I don't know. I like I can see smaller sports self-distributing like i said i don't know like where you get it how you get it is all going to be different i agree with you and no idea of what it's going to look like but the number one money maker for the sec is selling its television rights and outsourcing it all together so i don't know if that part of it ever changes you might be getting it through like an espn app or an apple app for that matter just apple tv but i don't think it's ever going to be like self-distributed through the sec I mean, I think when you have something with like the history and money that Disney has and therefore ESPN, it's just it would be, you know, it's like someone maybe this is an extreme example, but it's like an online market trying to beat Amazon. It's like it's just not it's it's too far established. Now, I'm not saying I think what what you're alluding to, the difference being might be in the way that we as the consumer pay for and consume that media but i think the distribution of those games at the highest level in college football will still be coming from the source that they're coming from yes i think the games itself will never change here's what i think is interesting and bo mattingly has been doing this now for a little while he's sort of launching these plus networks right like hogs plus i think south carolina's got one and he's got them like these are digital networks that are self-produced by the the schools because teams and schools are production companies. Hell, schools have entire production departments. You work, I mean, you like ran I, one of them. I, yeah, yeah. So I, I think th- that's going to be a huge factor moving forward. But that's all the extra stuff around the games it, themselves. I think the games right. themselves stay there. Now, unfortunately, Stephen ended on like this breakaway idea, which is not a new idea, which is that some amalgamation of the Big Ten and the SEC with some cherry-picked big names from around the co- college football world. Think of probably Miami, Clemson, Florida State, maybe Oregon, Washington, maybe Utah, uh, you know, I don't know. Like there's some combination of extra schools that will come in and they'll fill out, let's call it 40 or 45 spots for mm-hmm. this new professional college football league, <laughs> yeah. whatever. I, I, I would be very concerned if I was, when Texas and Oklahoma join, there will be nine schools sort of quote unquote above the Mendoza line on money and national championships and resources. Arkansas, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Missouri. Who am I missing? Um that's below. That's that that would be concerned. Who am I who Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Kentucky, South Carolina, Arkansas, Vanderbilt. That's the, that's and Missouri. Those are the seven. Florida. Those, I, mean, I think Florida, Florida would be above. Yeah. Florida's above the line. Yeah, that's seven. That's the seven that is sort of the haves and have-nots in the SEC. I would be. I think Arkansas probably makes it if I had to guess into that group. I think South Carolina has all the things you want to make it. Right. Mm-hmm. Huge fan base, lots of resources, great recruiting territory, big stadium. I I don't Kentucky football. South, I mean, uh, Mississippi, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Missouri, Vanderbilt. Those five, I would be. I don't want to. I don't want to say like, watch out, but twenty five years think, from now, I think Ole Miss figures out a way to 
I mean, it, the, you're right. There's been a lot of have not time yeah. at Ole Miss, but yeah. I mean, it, it is probably going to be like, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some uh, sense of peaking at the right time too. I mean, yeah, you have to take this algorithm over the course of history of what teams can do and can they be consistent and all that, but there probably is some sort of where are you when this decision's being ha- happening because it's hard to look away, even if a team hasn't done it historically all throughout the time of being a college football program. But if they're winning or close to it, it's going to be hard to leave those people out. Well, and I'm curious because it's kind of tied back into the Rashada stuff where like the money's going to be stupid for a minute, right? In NIL. Right. And I'm curious if if you're a, a big moneyed booster at Mississippi State or Missouri or, or Ole Miss, and I guess if we want to throw in Arkansas, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and and Kentucky into this group, again, the bottom seven in the SEC from like a resources and national championship competition standpoint, right? There's seven that have competed at that level, and then there's seven that have not, not since integration. And so I'm I'm curious, like if you're a giant booster, are you willing to go so much harder into commitment financially to your school, be it paying Lane Kiffin $9 million? paying a quarterback $14 million, which is basically a rookie contract for an NFL player over four years. Yeah. Like, are you more willing to spend to build the stadium bigger, to make sure fans are showing up, to make sure you have a winning program, to make sure you have a good coach? Like, if you're scared about this happening in 20 years and you're the big money boosters, aren't you, aren't you like lining shit up to get it to where your program has to be accepted into that club? But you're you'd be lining stuff up and spending a lot of money for to do what you think is right, but you're not sure. You're not sure if it's exactly the right Man. thing or where you have to be. So, yeah, can you stroke a check for something that might really help, but might <clears throat> end up not mattering? I don't know. Well, but to to Godfrey's point, and it's not even about being like necessarily good. It's are you a national draw from a television rating standpoint? Like that's what's going to get you into the club. Like, does your team draw ratings in other regions of the country, right? It's and and I like I think Lane Kiffin does. I think Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss currently does. Mark Stoops is Kentucky, very good football team, not a ratings draw nationally, in my opinion. I think that's, but that's still <laughs> we'd still have to do a math problem against all of those schools and the ratings that they do get and the revenue that they are able to bring in and the cost to yeah. keep them in because why not just be bigger? I mean, that's the thing. You like what it, at what point is it useful to leave them out? Because they're still bringing in money. Yeah, it may, maybe someone can help bring in, you know, it's made tens of millions of dollars in difference potentially, but still millions of dollars. I, I'm just I, I like know? your I like your optimism here. Um, but if you start adding up to 40, you get to a lot like again, people in the south don't know this as well. But right. the Part of the reason the Big Ten got the early ESPN contracts in the early 1990s was there are just so many more people (laughs) that there are so many more Penn State alumni, Michigan alumni, Ohio State alumni, Nebraska alumni, Wisconsin alumni, Michigan State alumni. Like there's more people in Chicago than the entire state of Mississippi. So that is what is like what draws people on a national level. And if you only have, let's say, 40 slots. But why do you you only have 40 40 slots? Because of what Godfrey was saying, like it's about. The right of like you can, you can run out of places for, for what you you only have so many places to play games on the TV. Yeah, like you only have so many spots to play football games on any given weekend. That's true, but we have. I mean, 
that we have seen kickoff times get earlier and kick off. Like, I mean, they'll find if it's going to make money, they'll, I mean, they would air two games at once. I mean, right, I don't know. Right. I, I, I just so let's, think let's that, say there's 40 teams. That would be 20 games every weekend. You've got to put on. Like well, we saw, we, we saw games starting to creep. We see opening games creep into Thursdays and Fridays. Okay. So who's okay. to say, who's to say that, I don't know what I'm saying. I think you're probably right. I'm sure they'll, they'll net out on a, a number that they find makes sense, but that would still be to leave people out means that to have them in would cost money. Yeah, and, that, yes, it would. It, it, there, and, it's, it's the, it's the pie getting bigger. It's the slices getting bigger, not the pie getting bigger. Right. Like, right. It, and I just, I think that well, there's a lot of talk about this and maybe, I mean, I don't know. I understand that there's a limited amount of time, but there's definitely not a, a limited ways that they can be consumed, whether they're on network television or they're being streamed on an app like SEC Network Plus or something like that, or like those one-off networks like you were just mentioning. And I think at the end of the day, the I don't know. I still think the math problem is going to win if we're talking I, I, about I hope you're 40 right. versus 60. Because I, I hope you're right. But that's just, you're still ignoring a bunch I think of a, money. I think, I see, that's why I don't know. I think 11 from the SEC, I think Arkansas and South Carolina would be it. I think because, because then you tie it in with Clemson, you tie it in with Texas, and you tie it in with Oklahoma. I think those two would get in. I think the other five would be concerned if, if I'm an SEC fan yeah. of those five schools. Because again, you can get real fast to 40. You can go Miami, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State, USC, UCLA, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Oregon, Washington. Like you can you can you can get to 40 pretty fast with like big brands that draw ratings more than just in the southeast, which is where Ole Miss and Mississippi State and and Kentucky draw. We draw they draw ratings right. down here. We love them. Right. I'm just I guess with my I guess my argument is more like like on that big 30,000 foot view level of what's going to happen to the sport. Yeah. I think that that number will still be, the pool will be larger than some people are giving it credit for, but I know what you're saying from your lips to his ears and whoever that his is again, probably Tim cook at Apple <laughs> who has all of the money in the, in right. the wealthy, in the wealthiest, highest valued company in the world that is just going to buy like the college football package. And it's going to be all of the 45 best teams in college football in one league that's not governed by the NCAA. And that is the breakaway that's happening when the ACC grant of rights happens at, when that runs out like 2035, 2036. Yeah, it's going to be a while. So we got a cool new era coming up, right? This is the fun part. We have yeah. a cool new era of college football with Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC and a lot of opportunity for teams like Kentucky and Mississippi State and Ole Miss to get into the playoff right now. Right. So enjoy the right now, folks. That's our lesson here on the show, right? Yeah. yeah. We try We put a little bit of more positive spin on there that. There you go. Enjoy the now because your team can make the playoff easier than it ever could before in the past. How about that? Yep. Love it. There you go. Great place to end. Thanks to Steven for joining us, of course. Thanks for you guys for hanging out with us. Rate, review, subscribe, share the product, share the show, subscribe to the YouTube page, do all that great stuff, and give Aaron a follow on Twitter, at the Aaron Dugan. Aaron underscore Dugan on Instagram. You can get to me at Braden Gall at 440 Sports as well. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Fringe Element here on the 440 Sports Network. Peace.